0: This is the Kindeo Equipping Podcast. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. For the sake of time, um, as you can see on your notes, we have a lot to fill in today. So we're just going to get right into it. If more people come, they can jump right in. But um, I'm going to introduce myself, and then we're going to give you just a few minutes at your table to talk about the homework. Um, I'm Sarah. I am Jake's wife. Um We have two kids here on earth, Naomi and Judah. Naomi is six and Judah is three. Um, And they are lots of fun. Um, I am a Bible study nerd, so this is like right up my alley. I love it, Um, but I'm still learning and I'll share about that later, um, that I'm still learning and it's really fun to take this class and continue to learn,
1: so. Yeah, I'm Leah vns my husband is mitch um, i work in waterloo at the schools in second grade um, and so have a huge passion for teaching so i was super excited to help again with an equipping class um yeah and i also like really deep study as well so mm-hmm. this is really fun for me yeah. to get to and look at it did you come here to salt or where did yeah, you? yeah so i went to salt company but i went to the university of iowa And so I went to Salt Company there and then was getting married um, my first year of teaching. And my husband was taking CPA exams at UNI. And Mm so um, I moved to Cedar Valley and just switched over to Candeo.
0: Yeah. So it's fun to have her insight of coming from another church from the network, but also just like, here's what's the same, here's what's different. Mm -hmm. So it's fun just to hear from her and get a new perspective. So... Um, at your tables, we're gonna give you just a few minutes to go ahead and discuss um, how did you summarize James 1, and what did James 1 teach you? Uh, so each week we'll kind of start off this way, talking about the homework. So if you didn't do it this week, it's okay, just do it next week so you're like prepared. But um, we'll give you five, 10 minutes, and then we'll hear from a couple, couple of you. All right, so let's hear some of your summaries for James. James one If you could summarize it in a few sentences.
1: Cara did a really good job of
0: that. All right, Cara, let's hear from you. You're getting a look. Oh, watch out Wednesday That's great. Hand for Kara. Good job, Kara. All right, anybody else? We'll, well hear one was more.
1: really taken by verse 24. Mm-hmm. You perceive how God's speaking in the mirror of the word, but you forget. Mm. The, the way God perceives us is through the lens of Jesus' his blood. So he sees us wholly blameless and beyond reproach. And that's yes. what sees us.
0: Yeah. That's great. There we go. We talked about that last last week, just reading through James 1. That's awesome. That's encouraging. Um, so last week, we talked about some of the roadblocks and why, why don't we study God's Word or what are some things that just make it difficult to study God's Word. And one thing that I heard come up multiple times um, was, I just don't know what it's saying. I get done reading it and... I can't remember even what it said, or I'm like, I don't even know what it's talking about. Um, And this week, we're going to talk about comprehension, and that's what comprehension is. It's what does it say? Um, So comprehension is what does it say? Interpretation is what does it mean? And then application is what does it mean to my life, or how does this apply to my life? So today, this week, we're going to talk about the first portion of comprehension and next week we'll talk about the second part of comprehension so it'll kind of be a two-part um series um but when you're reading through a passage so we're just gonna we're gonna use James 1 as an example today James 1 when you're reading it the first time you read it when you stopped if you were like me and go okay I don't know what that just said the first thing you need to do is go back and read it again So just repetitive reading is the most helpful thing you can do in comprehending a passage. And when I first read Women of the Word, that was the biggest takeaway for me, that no one ever told me, just read it again. Keep reading it over and over and over again. And I'm a visual learner, I love taking notes, and I share this at my table, I'm kind of like one of those, like, get in the nitty gritty, but I can lose focus. So I force myself the first time I'm studying a passage to just not have a pen at all and read it a few times through. Just read it over and over and over again. So maybe this week you guys can see how many times you can read James 1 through. Just read it over and over. And when you feel like you're ready, when you think, okay, I think I can summarize it or say maybe one or two sentences about it, pick up a pen and then start marking it up. Um, And then you'll be able to see things come together and you'll be able to understand it more and more. But when you're looking for comprehension, you're not looking for what does this um, mean or even how does this apply to my life? That's jumping down the road. You're just trying to figure out what does this say? So I think we get so worried about it because we're right away jumping to how does this apply to my life when you first need to just look at what is this saying? and then go on from there. So I'm gonna kind of do things a little bit backwards as far as our notes go. So, because we can, because yeah. we're teaching it this yeah. week. So for notes sake, go ahead and go to the second page at the very end. Um, you'll see the, sen- the part that says um, the how to read sentences. And I thought this was just helpful since we're talking about repetitive reading. When you're reading repetitively, what do you look for? When you're ready to get that pen and paper out, what are you looking for? Um, And the first thing you're gonna look for is repeated words. So when you're looking at James 1, um, you can look down at James 1 and you might already see several repeated words. Uh, Does anybody just off the top of your head know a few of those repeated words in James 1? Yeah, steadfast. Endurance, yeah, steadfast or endurance, yeah. There's one that repeats kind of down in the bottom section multiple times. word of God. Yeah? Word. Another repeated word is brother. Um, He refers to them as brothers. Um, So mark those up. Those are important uh, to just take note of, and you'll see just patterns throughout books if you start marking those. I like to use different colored pencils sometimes. Um, Look for repeated words. The next one is compare and contrast. Look for ideas or items that might be compared to one another. Take note in that. Another one is lists. So if you see, um, it might start off with like first, then, just start making a list because that shows priority when, you, when they start making a list. And then you can go on to see the next one, cause and effect. A lot of times you'll see a list with a cause and effect. So you might have a cause with many effects. So if the spirit is living in you, then you will see these fruits. So you might have one cause with many effects listed after that. Another one is figure of speech. These are things that are gonna express or convey imagery. So it's good to just take note of those so that you're not taking it literally, which we'll talk about later. The next one is conjunctions. Uh, This is good for noting what it's connecting. And the last one is verbs and pronouns. Just recognizing, especially verbs, are they past, are they present, are they active, are they passive? So as you're reading, just, sometimes I'll just take one of those and read through the passage and say, okay, I'm gonna, right now I'm gonna look through And try to find repeated words and then once I'm done with the passage I'll go back and I'll say okay are there any comparing or contrasting thoughts and I'll read it again are there any lists just kind of keep reading so even as you're doing that you're reading the passage multiple times through and getting a better understanding of it and by the end you know what it's saying so, another way that's helpful in understanding what it says is getting the big picture.
1: Yeah, so getting that big picture is super important when reading scripture, um, or it's also called the meta-narrative. And so remembering also that the book of the Bible is about God. And so making sure that you're reading for purpose is super important with that general comprehension. And so, Looking for the big story each time you're going for, to scripture. So, if you're just specifically in James, for example, you want to make sure that you zoom out also and you're looking at the big picture of what the book of the Bible is all about so that you can understand um, the book of James itself um, and how it fits inside the big story or the meta narrative of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there was a quote um, from Jen Wilkin and Women of the Word that I really loved that I think tied really well with this whole meta narrative thought. Um, on page 50 through 51 in the book. It says, I'll give you a second to turn to that page. It says, every good endeavor should be done with purpose. Without a clear sense of purpose, our efforts to do a good thing well can flounder. But with a clear purpose, we are far, far more likely to persevere. And so there's a blank on your page. It's probably on the first yeah, page. Yeah, the first page. <laughs> We're going
0: back to back. the beginning. Now we'll go straight through. Just trying to keep you awake here this morning.
1: <laughs> so it says the
0: bigger story that helps explain
1: all the smaller stories in the Bible is called the meta-narrative. So your blank there you're looking for is meta-narrative. And that meta-narrative is the comprehensive explanation or guiding theme. That illuminates all other um, themes in the text. And so it's the creation to Christ. So creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So we're going to go through that creation to Christ idea. And I just think it it laid itself out perfectly. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to add a lot in there. We're just going to be going through the blanks. So I'll slow that down for you guys too as you're filling them in. But the first blank says humanity was created for a relationship. And then this relationship was separated by sin. Humanity can't restore this relationship on, its own, on our own, so God gave us his law. Yep, I'll start from the beginning and repeat those real quick so that if any of you guys miss those blanks. Um, so first, humanity was created for relationship. This relationship was separated by sin. Humanity can't restore this relationship on our own, so God gave us his law.
0: <laughs> okay, I need to use my teacher voice. So maybe we can pause there and just kind of explain up to that point what that means. Like, why did he give us his law to yeah. restore that? Yeah. Do you want to expand upon that? Yeah. So just what that means is, you know, as you're... You're thinking about, we're explaining the whole meta narrative, the whole overview of the Bible. And so when it's talking about, okay, so the relationship between God and man is separated, that's the fall. And then humanity can't restore that relationship on its own. Remember, God sends them out of the garden in His grace, He sends them out of the garden, and they can't restore that on their own. So the first step in the story of God's redemption in his plan is giving them the law. Now that's not, we know that that's not forever the perfect fix, but that's just the first step of restoring that relationship so that through the death of an animal, the blood sacrifice, they would be able to have um, a semi-union with God. Um, but that's still, like we talked about in Hebrews, that's still not the perfect way because they had to continue to do it over and over again. So that's kind of like up until this point in the blanks kind of why, why we're walking through.
1: Yeah, and so the next blank you're filling in, his law, so we're going back to him giving us his law, taught us how to relate to God and other people, but no one is able to obey it perfectly. So this is like telling us that the law wasn't sufficient because we weren't able to obey it perfectly Mm -hmm. and so um, that wasn't the end all be all um and so we're going into the next part where since we could not restore this relationship on our own god sent jesus christ as the perfect way to reconnect with him and so he was perfect um he was able to obey the law perfectly and so um He sent Jesus so that we were able to, um, through him, be um, perfect and reconciled with God. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus perfectly obeyed and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice and rose from the dead so that we could be reconciled to God. And I'll repeat that one again. Jesus perfectly obeyed, so he was able to perfectly obey that law, offered himself as the perfect sacrifice in our place, um, since we couldn't obey it perfectly, and rose from the dead so that we can be reconciled to God. So he's our mediator um, to God himself.: so Third blank is rose from the dead.: Yes, correct. Oh, that's good. It's a lot. It is a lot good we're learning yeah (laughs) yeah so when we're fully we are when we fully understand the big picture in the bible we understand that um the the little part's so much better when we can understand the whole big picture and zoom out and see um the whole picture of the bible and so um Jen Wilkin also said too like there it's super important that if we don't understand the meta-narrative there are complications to that and so we'll miss this Um, Connecting point between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and won't be able to see that fully if Mm -hmm. you don't see that meta narrative um, as you're reading scripture. And then we'll have trouble relating the Old Testament to the New Testament um, without understanding the meta narrative, or even misinterpret the purpose or emphasis of smaller stories because um, it fits into that bigger theme. And so if you consider it apart from that meta narrative, you're not going to see the relationship that. Um, the scripture that you're zooming in on has um,
0: to that whole big story. So. I love the picture that she used um, about topography. Mm. If you remember if you read um, the chapter, like flying over a land to get the lay of the land. And that's what a meta-narrative does mm. when you can understand the full story of God, which the we're doing, the other equipping class is called the story of God. so, if you want to go back and listen to that once you're done with this class, that'd be great. If you're like, I don't know the meta narrative of the Bible, that's the story of God. And it walks through what, what is the big picture of the Bible. And when you can get the lay of the land, like as if you're flying over um, just a big portion of land, you can understand once you land in a spot what, how that fits into all of these other areas. So I like to think about it, every year my family would go on vacation together and we would drive because we didn't have the money to fly. So we would drive to the town and whatever town we were going to, normally we wouldn't have been there before. And the first thing, I mean, we would like get to our spot, we normally camped. So we'd get to our spot, unload, my dad would set up, whatever. And then we'd all pile in the van and we'd go drive around the town. And when I was a kid, I was like, what are we doing? Like, we've just been in the car for 15 hours. Like, (laughs) let me out of this car. But now I get it. My dad was just saying, okay, let's go see what there are, what we have. Like, what are the choices in this area? And then we're going to go back and decide what we're going to spend our time on. So even, um, I think it was in Habits of Grace, Amanda talked about, Um, how she went through and read the Bible just front to back. And then as she was reading, she made notes to go back and study later. And I just love that, again, reading for breadth and reading for depth. So if we can Mm -hmm. understand the grander picture of something, we can understand the specific portions where we're at. So we've covered a lot up to this point, and I know it's kind of like a waterfall. So we're going to take a quick break to discuss at your table um, between these two things, so understanding the meta narrative and um, also just taking notes, looking for repeated words, looking for um, the just different items, the list, compare and contrast. Which one are you better at doing already, and which one would you like to grow in your understanding of? So go ahead at your table, talk for five, 10 minutes, and we'll get back together after that. All right, we'll get back together. Um, By show of hands, how many of you would say you um, feel like you've got the meta-narrative down well? Which one? Meta-narrative? Okay. How about we, I do really well with taking notes and looking for repeated words. Okay. And how about I need help with both? That would be me. Okay. so as you're studying the Bible, and remember, this isn't a sprint. So just take one thing and work on it for a while and move on to the next. So don't be overwhelmed by this class. Know that it's, these are tools that you can take back home and continue to work towards growing because we're all continuing to grow in our walk with the Lord and in our study. Um, so this next portion is another way to help us comprehend or understand what is it saying and that is just knowing different genres. And we talked a little bit about this last week, but we're just going to dive deeper into that today. Um, but when we're, reading the, when we're reading the Bible, we have to remember that it was written in different languages at a different time, right? Um, and it's different styles of writing. So we know today... That And we do this without even thinking. We know that I'm going to pick up a menu and read it differently than I would pick up a love letter, right? You wouldn't read a menu and be like, oh,
1: you know, <laughs>
0: like that. that we, we laugh at it. But sometimes we read the Bible like that, you know. We look and we're like we're reading everything exactly the same. We can't do that. We get confused because we're taking it. And we're reading it all exactly the same when that's not the intended meaning and that I love just the creativity of God that he gave us a book that isn't all one genre because we're all created differently. And I think last week you were talking about how Psalms just really speaks to you and someone else they might look to the epistles or you know we're all different people and we're created differently. So I just love even that points to the creativity of our God that we serve. So when we're looking at the Bible, we have to remember that. What are we reading? What is the genre of the book that we're reading? And do I, I hear music? <laughs> um, so also, it's good to know before you started the book, a book of the Bible, knowing what kind you're reading before you get into it. And I think of it um, before we watch a movie. So sometimes we'll have people over to our house and we always will say like, okay, it's your turn to pick the movie. So you come over, you get to pick the movie or it's Jake's turn or whoever. And before we start watching it, inevitably, someone asks, so what's this movie about? Everyone wants to know kind of before they go into it, are we watching a drama? Are we watching a comedy? What are we watching? So that you can kind of prepare how you're gonna respond to those initial few minutes of the movie. And I remember I started watching The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I don't know if any of you have watched it before. Um, And I remember starting it, and I thought it was gonna be more of like an action movie because the front of the DVD, it's like action. Has anyone watched it? Okay. So it's an it's like an action movie, but it's full of comedy. And I was so confused and so thrown off because I didn't realize that it's actually a comedy movie rather than an action. So y- the first 15 minutes, I'm like, I need to start this movie over again because I was not mentally prepared. So before you go into a book, you got to know what you're reading before you read it correctly. So in genres... We have many genres, and um, Leah did the great task of dividing up the books of the Bible um, into different genres, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I learned something new last night. I had an epiphany, and I'm still learning. No one ever told me that the Bible is divided into genres. Mark, I didn't know that. (laughs) Look at that. I was looking at a picture, and I was like, oh, my goodness look at this, like the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I started reading through it. I'm like, wait, that's how the books of the Bible go. It's split up into genres. Um, So if you're reading it, that's kind of a, a nice way to know they're broken up into the different genres. Now, I'm gonna say that, but also with the little asterisk of within a book of the Bible, you might have a few other types of genres in the, in the book. So in Exodus, you have a few songs that are going to be read more like a psalm. Or, so you're, it's not totally black and white, but you can have kind of a, a clearer view of it. Mm-hmm. So as we talk through this, we just thought it would be helpful to just have a list. Now, some of these books can be moved around Um, into different areas. So you'll see um, an example would be in the prophets. um, Ezekiel talks a lot about the end times, correct, Mark? Okay, I got an elder in the room to say yes, that's right. So you're gonna have some of these books that can kind of be moved around a little bit or they might be half and half, but this is just a general to get our minds kind of working in that direction. So the first few in the Old Testament, um, we've got the narrative. The narrative is characterized by sequential time, action, plot, setting, and character. I'll say that again.
1: That's all for the first blank.
0: Time, action, plot, setting, and character. It's the story form of literature. So think um, as you're reading through a book of the Bible. It's Story form. Um, This is like, think of Ruth. When you're reading the book of Ruth, you've got a character. We're going to go through Ruth um, starting in a few weeks here at church. We're going to read it differently than we read Hebrews because they're two different books. Um, Can you repeat that? Yep. It's sequential time, action, plot, setting, and character. So basically, think, you know, back to the school days when you're thinking of a story. Think of what what do you need in a story? You need those things. You need a plot. You need a setting. You need characters. Um, Law. So this is the first one up here. We've got law. It's instruction or commands that describe the way living in relationship with God works best instruction or commands that describe the way living in relationship with God works best. So an example would be um, Leviticus. And when you're reading a book of law, as you're reading it, it's, it gives you an uh, understanding that we need redemption. So when you see, when you're reading through law and it's pointing out our sin... It should cause us to reflect our need for a savior. So, again, remembering the meta narrative, we've got the fall, redemption, restoration. It's pointing to the need for redemption. So, history shows the faithfulness of God toward the people of God while his people attempt to live according to his law. So up here, you see history, is Joshua on. And if you've done any studies, I know some of you women did the Joshua study a few um, semesters ago with us. So when you're reading history, now history and narrative are going to kind of mesh together. And maybe Mark, you could help me explain this because I asked Jake last night, I get confused. What's the difference between a narrative? and what's the difference between history. So some narrative is history, some history can present itself as narrative, but also like First and Second Chronicles, when you read that, it's written more as like a history book rather than a story. Is that correct, Mark, or how would you explain it? Yeah, it's kind of splitting hairs on like the meaning of what it is, because one's a narrative and the other is generally a historical narrative. Mm -hmm. First and second Chronicles is history written with a purpose of, oh, okay, these people just went into exile, What? why would we even want to return to God? So it's written there, it's like, this is what happens when you seek God, and this is what happens when you abandon God. Mm-hmm. So it's their history, and it's reminding them that if you seek God, that there is favor with Him. Okay. And so it's history written with a purpose, whereas narrative is probably, you have like a much smaller section that has a single meaning. Yeah. Okay. So... When you're reading history, um, again, it shows the faithfulness of God toward the people of God. So a history or a narrative, you're going to read probably larger chunks of the text to get the main purpose of who God is and how this applies to my life. So do you want to share? I know in our D group, you were talking about reading through Esther Mm. and how that kind of changed for you. Do you want to share a little bit about that?
1: yeah um and your struggle for reading it (laughs) yeah so reading esther was quite interesting the struggle for reading it just trying to realize like what it's saying to me and like what where god fits into that story because they even talked about and i think mark you can um piggyback off of this with the book of esther but It, like, was one of the books that was really debated about being in the Bible, Um, and it really doesn't say, like, point blank, this is what God is doing, but you can see through the characters in Esther, like, the way that God is working in their Mm -hmm. life, and it took me a while to, like, zoom out and see, like, the meta-narrative of what's going on and, like, how is Esther, like, how is God using Esther, and, like, how is God using her father, and how is God using um, the other characters in the story? Yeah.
0: so when you, when you look at Esther, you might want to quickly jump to how does this apply to my life? But remember reading it in the meta-narrative, okay, where does this fit in in the whole book of the Bible? And then also what type of genre is this? So I'm going to look at this not as commands for my life, but rather, okay, what is the main purpose of this book? And how can that apply to my life? What character of God do I see in this book? that he cares for his people, he loves his people, he's going to save his people, and how can that apply to my life? Mm -hmm. So you're going to read larger chunks in history, narrative, even law, um, Mm -hmm. rather than as we get more into the epistles, you might take smaller bits of the Bible. Does anyone have any questions up, up until this point? Okay. Poetry and wisdom are used to reinforce the meta narrative and points to our need for redemption and the ongoing work of sanctification in the life of the believer. I'm going to read that again. It's used to reinforce the meta narrative. So, again, it's pointing to the whole Bible, and it points to our need for redemption and the ongoing work of sanctification in the life of a believer. I love that last portion because it's pointing to the real raw feelings of what we go through as a believer as we're being sanctified. So you think of Psalms, David is going before the Lord, especially in those Psalms of lament. He's going before the Lord and he's saying, my soul is cast down. Why am I so cast down? I will put my hope in God. So when you're looking at Psalms, you're reading it with the lens of, okay, this is one, an artistic book. It's going to use a lot of imagery. It's going to show us how people are in need of a savior and they're in the process of being sanctified. And so we're going to see some real raw emotions, but also um, really Reflect on God's redemptive plan for our lives. Um, And something that I just recently was thinking about, especially in poetry writing, there's also the gap of the translation. So going from um, Hebrew to English, if you think about if we were to write a poem and use some imagery or um, even use words that rhyme, and then that gets translated maybe let's say into Spanish. Some of its meanings just gonna be lost because their words don't rhyme. Maybe they don't use the same type of um, imagery that we use or they might not even have a word for that, like our language. So we have to remember that these poems are written in a different language in a different time. So some of the flow might get lost, but we can still get the general concept of who God is and points us to um, redemption and sanctification. So prophecy, and then I'm going to turn it over to Leah because I've been talking a lot for New Testament. Prophecy, it addresses the disobedience of God's people and describes the consequences of disobedience. So this shows us that God does what he says he's going to do, and there are consequences to our sins. Again, it's going to show us our need for a Savior. So as you look up here under prophecy, um, right here, this is another thing that I just learned. I knew there were minor prophets, major prophets. Uh, There's the major prophets, and those are the larger books. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, one, two, three, four, five, down to Daniel. Those are the major prophets, and then you have 12 minor prophets that are shorter, smaller. Um, and when you're reading those prophets, you're going to read them through the lens of, this is someone prophesying to a maybe a king or a town back in that day. So right now, um, I'm working on slowly reading through the Bible, and right now I'm in Daniel, and I'm blown away. Daniel's a good example also of it starts off kind of as a narrative as you're reading it. So if you look at uh, Daniel, you're going to see um, Daniel going before a king and the king saying, um, find these wise men and bring them to me. So they bring, he brings Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he says, okay, so um, Daniel says, I don't want to eat what you're feeding the men. So he says, just feed me vegetables. Well, we could stop there and be like, oh, we only need to eat vegetables. That's it. And there, I mean, there's the Daniel diet, you can go into that. But um, that's not how you read the Bible. That's not a command. It's part of the narrative, and also the whole book is a prophetic book. So when you look at Daniel, it's going to start kind of like a narrative and end more as prophecy. Um, so those are, the, those are the books that I tend to lean more into exterior help with those books because I get lost in those books. Is this talking about things to come, or is, has this already happened? And it's okay to look to extra help um, for things like that because it is easy to get confused. Um, but to know, just even as you're reading, this is a prophecy. So here's how I'm gonna read this. Um, any questions about prophecies? I'm gonna send you right to Mark. I've <laughs> <laughs> been putting him on the spot today. Yeah. That's why we've gotten elder in the (laughs) room. All right, so Leah, you want to transition us into the New Testament? Yeah, so along
1: with the Old Testament books we listed up there on the right-hand side are the New Testament um, books under the different genres. And so the first genre we're talking about is the Gospels. Um, And so these are the stories that describe the life, death, and resurrection of Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament for the salvation of the world. So the Gospels are the stories that describe the life, death, and resurrection of Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament for the salvation of the world. And at any point, please let me know if you guys need something repeated. I'd be happy to repeat on one of those blanks. There's a lot there. So, um, yeah, some of the examples in the New Testament of the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, again, it's in order Mm -hmm. um, in the New Testament, too. So um, these books, again, like it says in here, is um, stories that are describing that life, um, um, death, and resurrection of Jesus um, as that Fulfillment of all the things in the Old Testament. So it's because we are able to um, perfectly obey the law like it's it's showing us through the Old Testament all the things we're seeing now in the New Testament how Christ fulfills those things um, and that the world now um, has salvation due to him and so in those books you'll see a lot of different ways um, that that's pictured throughout those books in the New Testament. And the next one is the New Testament history. And so just like in the Old Testament, there's the history books, um, but the one that um, example in the New Testament is Acts. And so it shows the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers for the empowerment of their mission and the growth of the church. So again, it shows that indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers for the empowerment of their mission and the growth of their church. And so it's the work that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of believers so that they're able to um, be on mission for the gospel and grow the church that they're um, with and fighting for and not just the building itself but the people, the church, the people. Um, Any questions so far? Any more blanks that I need to repeat that you ended up missing? There's a lot there. (coughs) Good, okay. Um, Epistles, so these are the letters. Um, I just put them as letters up there. So these are the epistles if you're referring to the books up there. Some examples, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, as well as others that we've written up there on the board. There's quite a few. Um, And so the letters are meant to address specific situations or problems related to the author or usually to the readers. Mm-hmm. And so you see up there too, there's the Pauline Pauline mm-hmm. letters and then the general letters. And so Paul is writing a lot of the letters or is writing the letters under the Pauline um, section. And so it's the situation or problems that Paul is facing or the people that Paul is talking to are facing um, in, when he's writing the epistles. And the second part of that fill in the blank is epistles generally apply theology in practical ways to specific situations in churches. So maybe the, um, the church in Ephesus is struggling with these specific things and so Paul is addressing those things that are happening in the church um, with um, generally applying that theology and then being able to specifically hone in on those situations that are happening in that church in that specific time
0: and again something i learned you've got the epistles in the bible and paul's epistles are first i i've never even like put, put those together that paul's epistles are first and then you go on to the general ones um, before revelation so kind of like a library when you're going to a library and you're looking through your bible it's like okay you've got the genres and then who is the author paul so you've got all of paul's epistles first <laughs> right next to each other all in alphabetical i'm learning first. i don't know if <laughs> it's it's good to learn no order of
1: length. order there of you length. Go. Order yes of length. and that
0: was something else i learned i'm like wow yes so organized So helpful when you just even look at it and see how it's organized.
1: Okay, Any other questions on the epistles or the letters? What were the last two lines? Yes. So epistles generally apply theology in practical ways to specific. (sighs) I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm meaning the in the
0: first sentence there where it's just got situation problems. Then there's
1: two lines. Author is the next one, and then readers.
0: So this is where you're going to take a, maybe a smaller portion of text and mm. read it smaller mm. uh, because there's going to be more to apply rather than a narrative or a history. You might need to read bigger portions of text mm. to get the grander picture. Mm-hmm. But again, in even epistles, you're going to have like a, a general theme of the book too. Mm. Yeah. And then this word is
1: always difficult for me, so bear with me. Apocalyptic,
0: got it. got it. (laughs)
1: Apocalyptic, so a, a group of writings that include divine relationship, or relationship, divine revelation, excuse me, in which God promises to intervene in human history, overthrow evil empires, and establish his kingdom. So it's a group of writings that include divine revelation in which God promises to intervene in human history, overthrow evil empires, and establish his kingdom. And so again, just like Sarah was saying earlier, these books of the Bibles will generally shift in genre sometimes as you're reading through. And so Revelation is an, an example of an apocalyptic book, and as well as, I think I put it under history up there um, as well.
0: And so, um, yeah, can you You've expand a, a few, little bit more yeah, on you have a few other apocalyptic um, prophets that are Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah also, that they have some portions that are apocalyptic as well. Um, so just even um, as I'm reading this bottom portion how it talks about God establishing his kingdom and just personally as I'm reading through Daniel, um, you'll see it just, I'm just going to kind of show this is like what I'm doing currently is in my Bible just taking notes next to it about God, about Daniel, but I've circled every time it says like God's kingdom or he gave, he took away, he's done this because it's it's showing how it's God's kingdom and not our own. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, he had the kingdom just torn away from him, and now his son Belshazzar, maybe that's how you pronounce it, um, his kingdom was taken away from him, and so it's just pointing to it's God's kingdom that's going to rule and reign for all eternity. So as you're reading through these books, um, knowing that this is um, an apocalyptic writing, the prophecies that foretell of the the coming, um, and also how it's the establishment of God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. So Revelation is the whole book is that, but there are portions of Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah as well. Um, So just as a whole, any questions or comments? before we send it back to our tables for one last discussion. I know it's a lot, And just to encourage you. um, This is a lot to take in, but um, just so great to learn. And I've just really enjoyed even just studying this week and understanding Mm -hmm. more about genres. But um, just a few minutes as we wrap it up um, before we close. Go ahead and discuss your, like last week, your one takeaway and how that's going to change how you read um, this next week when you go to the Bible, what's something you're going to take with you and try to practice um, out of what we talked about today. All right, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, Next week, uh, we'll be talking again about comprehension, but um, just a little bit more into the nitty gritty specifics of some questions that you might answer as you're reading. So for the homework, go ahead and read chapter four of Women of the Word, and then answer the archeological questions of the book of James. And if you look at that and you go, I don't know what that means, read chapter four (laughs) and you'll know what that means. But the hint is it's on page 64. Those are the questions that you need to be answering. Uh, the questions of the book of James and again I would encourage you just continue to read maybe even just chapter one of James or if you want to just take the whole book just read it repetitively and start maybe looking for some repeated words or um, some comparing and contrasting and just start practicing uh, what we're talking about it's always better if you can just apply it right away what you're learning rather than waiting So um, thank you for coming next week. Jake will be here um, teaching comprehension and hope to see you again next Sunday.